Brothers and sisters, isn't it interesting that some mornings people are quiet sort of half an hour before and some mornings there's lots of chatter and stuff. I'm not complaining, brothers and sisters and young people. I think sometimes sometimes talking together and certainly welcoming each other and, and saying it's good to see you and stuff like that is good. But we've come around this table which is the Lord's table and We've come to meet each other in the Lord, uh, but we've also come to meet the Lord. So uh, let's think about that as well. And we're going to think about that certainly in our singing. And it's, it's about bowing the knee before God, before our lovely Father. So let's sort of focus on that. And let's stand and sing together. I bow my knee before your throne. I know my life is not my own. I offer up a song of praise to bring you pleasure, Lord. It's lovely, Father, to come and sing to you, to sing your praises. I know, Father, we are not always focused, but I do pray that you will help us to be focused and to praise you not just with our voices but with our hearts too with all of ourselves Holy Father thank you you are so good to us you are our Father and I believe you want us to be involved in you and with you Lord help us to do just that Father, we've just sung, I seek the giver, not the gift. Lord, thank you for the gifts. Thank you so much for the gifts. Thank you so much for the promise of gifts to come. But help us, Holy Father, to seek for you. And let our hearts be inclined to you. Let our desire, all our desire be to want to know you and to be close to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and showing us, Father. Bless us now in our service and help us to come close. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, it is good to see you all, brothers and sisters, and and children too. It's good to see you, and young people, sorry, no offence meant by the children, but young people, you know. um, It's good to see all of you here. Um, We're going to have the announcements now, and Charles is going to give those to us. Gladys has had a, a a diabetic hypo yesterday, and is not well enough to come this morning, so please remember her in your thoughts and prayers. And Pete had his his first round of chemo on Friday. It was a a 10-hour session, um, but he coped well with it. um, And Christine felt that she could leave him to go to the the care conference yesterday. So that's a sign of how well Pete Pete did with it. Um, But obviously we need to remember Pete and Christine and the family in our our prayers. Mary also um, finished her latest round of chemotherapy on Friday, and she's doing okay with that. Lois had a, a bad episode. She, she stopped breathing um, on, on Friday night, wasn't it? And uh, she had to go to hospital with, with Helen. Um, she's, she's getting better now, but they're still in hospital hoping to um, come, back, come out today. So please remember Lois and Helen and all the family 
in your prayers. Vicky's arm is in a sling because she's had a, an allergic reaction to a wasp sting. So uh, we're thinking about you, Vicky. Um, Pearlene's dad has had a pacemaker fitted, um, and Pearlene's gone to see him this weekend. Uh, Neil arrived safely in Kenya, we're pleased to say, and um, we're all praying for the success of his trip and uh, that Becky and the girls cope okay. I've got two sets, so I'm just trying to combine the two. Um, Phoebe, Adam and Ben um, are all starting new courses this September, um, so we need to think about them, and also especially Ben as he recovers from, from the glandular fever that he's suffering from. And please continue to remember all brothers, our brothers and sisters in your prayers, um, including Pauline, Marion, Ollie and Hannah, Norman and Margaret, Deborah and Christine and Alan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charles. Let's pray then about our brothers and sisters. Holy Father, you give us lots of things and perhaps the most precious thing in some respects is each other. Of course, the most precious thing is your lovely son Jesus. Lord Jesus, be with us and bless us. But I know that you're concerned with all of your body and so we too must be concerned and we bring to you Lord lots of people um, perhaps we'll mention some of them Lord but I know that you know them all and you know their problems their strengths and weaknesses so bless them Lord I think particularly of Juan this morning his skin problems and Vicky with her arm in a sling Lord bless them and let them recover well um, I'm aware too of Pete Griffiths and, and his chemo that he's been going, what well, he's just started, 10 hours to me Lord sounds like an awful long time and I know that the chemo has been reassessed because of other problems and we earnestly pray Lord that you will be with Pete and help him to recover and, um, and bring him back to us Lord so. and Mary too um, who is going through chemo uh, it was good to see her the other day she looks a different Mary to the one we used to know but um, but she was lively and, and that was good Lord thank you please bless her and Lois Lois May Lord we we pray for her um, I, she may not know very much just now but I know that Helen and Paul and the family feel enormously if they're anything like me and any parent here they will feel something for their child and uh, and we pray for them and we pray for Lois that you will bring her out of hospital very soon without any problems um, without any problems due to what's happened to her and we're aware of Gladys too Lord and we pray that you'll help her with her diabetes and with her uh, breathing and Pearlene's dad, um, I don't know what it's like to have a pacemaker, but we pray that you'll bless him and bless the surgeons who are, who are doing that. And Neil in Kenya, I don't know what it's like to go to Africa, but I know that you know, you know the problems he's going to face and the dangers and, and the joys, Lord. And we pray that he will have, and others with him, a lot of joy meeting brothers and sisters and, and helping people. Please bless them. And there are lots of young people who are starting new courses. 
we pray for them we pray that you will bless them in their courses but Lord through university that you will keep them close to you it's very easy for them to forget you and to be led astray please keep them close to you Lord there are lots of others that we know well and um, people like Margaret and Norman and Jack and Mary and Pauline and Marion and, and others Lord be with them and bless them we, some we see on occasions and some we don't but we know that you're always with them be with them Lord and comfort and strengthen them and Judith Lucy's friend has lost a baby I've never experienced that or anything like it I've been near to people who have experienced that that must be devastating Lord so we pray that you will bless her and perhaps we pray most of all that you will bless her in bringing her close to you and helping her to know your love Lord there's just one other uh, some people here will know John Williams from from the 8th meeting he's due to go in tomorrow to have a hip replacement please bless him and let the surgeons do a good job and let him come out healthy and well and grow stronger Lord thank you for these people thank you for all these children here Father bless them richly help them to come to know you and to love you and bless us all in your service in Jesus Amen we're going to sing our next hymn there are occasions when in songs the music and the words just come together in a way that well for me they make them special and, and this is one that, that I like very much um, the, the chorus goes I stand in awe of you and it, the verses talk about God the creator and the sorts of things that he knows and the sorts of things that he does and when we consider him but more than that when we consider the love of God for us when we think about this great creator who cares for us I stand in awe let's stand and sing this together thank you thank you to the musicians for leading us but thank you for singing it's good isn't it it is so good to hear God's name praised and to recognise that we stand in awe of him I'm going to take a reading <clears throat> we're going to read from uh, John's Gospel chapter 14 And Joe Richardson is going to come and lead us in that reading. John chapter 14 Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going.
Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me any more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak of you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Thank you, Joe. There's a lot of things in that chapter, and I want to talk about just a few of them. Maybe just one, in a sense, but 
we were talking in our Bible class uh, in the week about the Spirit working and we were sort of generally saying, well, the Spirit works in us and, and we have to accept that the Spirit works. And obviously, well, I won't go into all of that. It's just going to take time. But somehow, when we see God at work in Jesus, you know, that last verse says, I do exactly what my Father commanded me. When, when, we, when we see God working in Jesus, it sort of sounds different, doesn't it? You know what it's like, at least those of you who have been engaged in any sort of conversations about the Spirit, you sort of, the Spirit works in you, and you may not know exactly how the Spirit works or what happens precisely. But when we look at Jesus, it's, it's not like that, is it? When we look at Jesus, Jesus knows. Jesus is, is very aware. I'm just going to turn back a couple of chapters to chapter 10 and uh, verse 15. You, you need not follow this if you don't want to. He just says, he talks about, I'm the good shepherd in verse 14. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. There's, there's a real sense of Jesus not working in a kind of uh, a mist or a kind of um, unconscious way, but Jesus very conscious of, of the Father, of God, and, and so on. And for us, it's perhaps not quite like that. Anyway, come back to chapter 14. Um, and in verse 8 uh, we have Philip who, who says to Jesus after what Jesus has been saying he says um, show us the Father and that will be enough for us and you kind of in the next verse uh, you kind of feel Jesus' frustration I don't mean angry frustration. You know, there's different kinds of frustrations. There's an angry frustration, but there's a frustration in terms of you're desperately trying to tell somebody something and they, they either persistently or they just are not able to understand what you're talking about. And it feels like it's that kind of frustration. But let me just read a bit of that. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Now, I don't think he's angry. I don't think he's angry. I just think he's just desperately trying to convey to Philip and to the others, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Now, I think we have problems with that, but let's go on a bit. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it's the Father living and working in me, uh, sorry, living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Um, he's saying, look, can't you see that what I'm doing isn't just a man working, but God is here. The Father's living in him. There's, there's a little phrase there, and this is the bit that I really want to sort of focus on. In verse 10 he says, Don't you know me, Philip, that I, I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. And he says it again in verse 11, um, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He says it a couple of times, and he says it again in other places. And he's saying it because I think it's important. It's important. 
Now, um, he's saying, I am in the Father. Come back to chapter 10. Chapter 10 and and verse uh, 36. And he says, um, where are we now? Well, uh, uh, yeah, 36. It's right in the middle of of a sentence. I'm not too worried about that. <clears throat> what about the one who the Father has set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Uh, why then do you accuse me as blasphemy when I said I am God's Son? Don't you believe me? And Sorry. Do not believe me unless I do what the Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, um, believe the miracles that you may know the, and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He's actually changed it around the other way there. In the other chapter is he says, I am in the Father um, and the Father is in me. And he turns it around here. I'm not quite sure if that's significant, but it's a little phrase which I think is important. We talked about, at least I talked about, the idea of the Spirit working in you. And I think that's the Father. Him working in you. The Father in me, Jesus says. The Father in you. But then he says, I in the Father. Why does he say it that way? Why does he say it both ways round? And it seems to me that it is significant. Um, It seems to me that um, there's some reason why he's doing this. I think... Jesus obviously is so in tune with God uh, that everything he does is what the Father wants and the Father is working and, and living in him in that way. He gives himself totally to the Father. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to Luke. If you want to come back, then you can come back. Luke chapter 5. And this is just a very simple incident, but it You'll see I'm going to relate it to something else later on. But this is the story in chapter 5, verse 17 onwards, of Jesus healing the paralytic. You know the situation, you know, these men bring a paralytic and they go up on the roof because they can't get in because of the crowds of people. So they knock a hole in the roof and they let him down in front of him. And let's see, verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Keep that in mind for a bit later on. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. And then he says to the man, get up and take your bed and go. And he does it. And he's really saying, look, If he can do it, then it's demonstrating that, in fact, when I said, your sins are forgiven, though you can't see anything, actually something has really happened. It seems to me here, and I've been going through Luke and seen it in lots of places, it seems to me as if Jesus takes the initiative. I know that's a crazy thing to say, because Jesus is always taking the initiative, isn't he? But what I mean to say is that, look, Um, there's a crowd of people in the room and there are some guys trying to bring another guy in on a bed. They can't get him there, so they break a hole in the roof and let him down in front of Jesus. Jesus is presented with him. And there's no indication that Jesus says, hang on a minute, I've got to pray. He doesn't do that. 
He just responds. He just says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, um, get up, take your bed and go. It, Jesus takes the initiative and does something. God in Jesus is not God taking Jesus over. Um, He was in the Father and the Father was in him. But, But God is not working in Jesus in spite of Jesus' will. Okay, Jesus is very involved in this and very much a part of this. Um, he's totally involved. Uh, come with me over to chapter 7 of uh, Luke. Um, there are some passages here which I've quoted before and I'm sure we're very familiar with. But <clears throat> um, again, there's another incident where Jesus takes the initiative. He doesn't seem to prepare himself in any sort of way. He certainly doesn't pray about it. He just does something. Um, it's the widow of Nain in verse 11 of chapter 7 I'm not going to read it all but <clears throat> you know what happens uh, they're bringing out this this uh, dead body um, and there's a woman there and she's described as being a widow and he, this is her only son she's in a desperate situation Okay. now Jesus instinctively his heart goes out to her he doesn't have to think about it it's instinctive. It's just, he does it. Okay? And, and he says to her, don't cry. As if to say, look, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Um, don't worry about it. And he touches the coffin and the young man is raised from the dead. And the response of the people in, at the end of verse uh, 16 is, God has come to help his people. That's their response. There's no sense in which it's God sort of directing Jesus as to what to do here. It's just he does it spontaneously and the people recognise that this is God working. But Jesus is working spontaneously. Jesus is taking the initiative, if you like. Jesus is working. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that God isn't working. I, I think God is working. Uh, God is there with him and in him and so on. But he, God is not taking Jesus over. I want to get that across very clearly. He's not taking Jesus over. He's not dominating Jesus so that Jesus' will is overridden. It's not like that. Not in my understanding. Jesus has just committed himself totally to God so that Jesus is feeling what God is feeling. And Jesus takes the initiative and does something. And the people's response is, God has come. Come to chapter 19 of Luke's Gospel. Um, And from verse 28 onwards, we have the triumphal entry. And you know what the triumphal entry is when he, he rides on a donkey into Jerusalem. The people are cheering and waving and stuff. And I guess if Jesus was going to feel joyful about anything it would be then it would be the fact that they are in some sense in some way recognising that this is the king this is the messiah I don't think they fully understood that at all but 
nevertheless, um, there's, there's a sense of joy there. Do you know, he weeps on this occasion. It's strange, isn't it, that you think about the transfiguration and you don't think about Jesus weeping on this occasion. <clears throat> um, in verse 41 it says, As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it because he knew what was going to happen to the city because they'd rejected him. And he goes on to say, right at the end of that little passage, halfway through verse 44, they will not leave one stone on another, and he's talking about the Romans coming and destroying Jerusalem and so on, um, because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. Okay, come with me back to um, <coughs> John's Gospel, uh, and John chapter 5. Uh, I, I'm just trying to sort of establish how Jesus works and how God sort of works in him and so on because I, I think that's very, very, very relevant to us and I'm going to uh, try and lead you into that um, chapter 5 and uh, <clears throat> verse 22 Jesus is talking about um, uh, himself and his relationship with his father and the authority he has and so on and so on <clears throat> and he said, look, let's read verse 21 and he says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. The Son gives life. He, we've seen it. He raised the widow's son. But more than that, he gives life to his people, to you and me. Um, I think now, but I think in the future too, in terms of um, immortal life. Then verse 22 says, Moreover, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. That's pretty remarkable. Think about that. Jesus has just said in, in uh, <coughs> other parts of the Gospels that he is working and he has some authority and he's doing things and, and, and we've seen that he works and he doesn't refer to God every time uh, he knows he has authority and he knows God is with him and he knows he is in the Father working. And he's saying, look, the Father doesn't judge anyone. He's entrusted all judgment to me. I, I, when, I, when I sort of looked at that a little while ago, I thought, goodness me, wow, that's, that's incredible. God is, God is in control of everything. He's got his hands on everything. Of course he has. But somehow he's actually given some of that to Jesus. He's, he's distributed it. He's given it over. Is there a sense then <coughs> that Jesus, um, the word I put down, I'm not sure if it's the right word, but anyway, <coughs> that Jesus kind of contributes to who God is. Um, you might struggle with that. I'm not a Trinitarian, you know that. <coughs> but Jesus contributes to who God is. Jesus certainly is a part of who God is. It's not that God is inadequate. 
I don't mean that. Um, but that Jesus, God has given Jesus some authority, some decision making, some ability, some freedom to make decisions and do things. Right, come with me to, to two kings. You will remember, uh, I, I spoke to Charlie about this um, <coughs> the other day, you remember that Charlie spoke uh, about um, Elisha. You know, when uh, Elisha lays himself on the boy and the boy recovers and talks about um, <coughs> um, Elisha coming alongside and saying that that's precisely what we should do. Come alongside people and kind of give them some life. That's what Elisha does anyway. Um, but <coughs> just before then, in chapter 4, it's 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, to this woman who hasn't got children, and she doesn't ask for children, which is a point that Charles made at the, point, at the time. <coughs> um, we read this in verse 16. Elisha says to her, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your... Well, hang on a minute. Who says... What authority have you got, Elijah, to say that about this time next year you're going to hold a son? The, the way I read it, and you need to read a bit more of the passage really, you get the sense that this is not after um, a period of time where Elijah's had to think about it, pray about it, but it's a kind of spontaneous reaction. Elijah takes the initiative, it seems, and does something. Um... I'm going to just read, don't turn to it, I'm just going to read you something from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 44, um, which was a passage that I, I'd remembered but couldn't remember where it was and, and uh, Sylvia helped me in finding the thing. But <coughs> he says this, he says, This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord who made all things who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who, who foils the signs um, of false prophets uh, and makes fools of diviners, um, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, but who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Isn't that interesting? He carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Uh, there, are, there are lots of, sort of things we could look at in relation to that and see that um, there are some very strange things that people ask for or promise or, or whatever and some of them, they're being hoodwinked by seemingly enemies and stuff and yet God still abides by the promises of his people 2 Kings chapter 5 um, this is about Naaman the Syrian who is cured of leprosy and uh, <coughs> uh, there's a situation where well let's, let's just read verse 2 um, 2 Kings 5 now bands of from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel 
and she served Naaman's wife and she said to her mistress if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy wait a minute what authority do you have for saying that now it might just mean in a kind of naive way she is saying well I know that this guy is, is very special and he heals people and stuff and, and if you go to him he'll heal you but there sounds like there's more to it. And the very fact that it's recorded like this, I find that interesting. This girl, and I don't know where she's got the idea from, except that she knows about Samuel, you see. And, um, sorry, Elisha. Knows about Elisha. And she knows that God is working with Elisha. And she's saying, Lord, he'll go to him and he'll cure you. Do you remember that passage that we read in Luke where it said, um, he says to the man, uh, with the paralytic he says um, <clears throat> your sins are forgiven and then get up and walk it's a bit like that here look look at verse 18 <clears throat> now Naaman has been cured of his leprosy he has been cured okay <clears throat> but he's coming to Elisha to, to he wants to pay him for it but Elisha doesn't accept it but he wants to talk about something else. He says in verse 18, May the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, he is leaning on my arm and I bow down there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. And Elisha says, Go in peace. I think what Elisha says, Yes! that remarkable Elisha's doing almost exactly the same thing that Jesus did now you can see Jesus' authority you know where that what right does Elisha have to do this <clears throat> so come back to John's Gospel chapter 14 because I sort of think we're involved in this I don't think it's just Jesus and God. I think we're involved in this. Um, <clears throat> let's read um, from verse, um, let me see, verse 16 of John chapter 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another counsellor, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, okay, we're talking about the Spirit there, and, and I do recognise that, and that's important. But he says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me any more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father, you are in me and I am in you I think he's saying the same thing isn't he he's saying look I'm in you well we all we talk about that quite a lot don't we you know I'm in you yeah okay you know accept that but what about you're in him because that's what he's saying
Does it mean that God wants us to take the initiative? I think it does. I mean, we do take the initiative in lots of things, don't we? In lots of things. Um, I think what he's saying, and, you know, um, I welcome chats with people about what this means, but I think he's saying God wants us to be involved in the reality of who God is. Um, it's not just Jesus in us, it's not just the Spirit working in us, and sometimes as we started we said, you know, we're sometimes not aware of that at all, but it's about us in Him. It's about us very positively in Him. Whilst we might not be aware of God working in us, I believe we've got to be very aware of us in Him. We've seen that Elijah, and I think others too, Elijah and others, took the initiative. Jesus certainly takes the initiative. Let me just relate you to something. <coughs> Trevor, um, <coughs> we were all in the Sunday school room and we were about to have lunch together. Do you remember that? And Trevor offered a prayer. And uh, <coughs> Trevor, it, I don't know quite what was going to happen, but um, uh, there was going to be some activity, I think, you know, and it was raining. It was raining hard and Trevor in his prayer said something like thank you for the rain but we'd now like some sunshine please now on that occasion there were smiles on people's faces and, and, and people sort of recognised that there's a kind of humour in that but, but I thought because I'd been thinking about this for some time I thought how do we feel about that why not? Is that okay? For us to take the initiative, God carries out the words of his servants. I can't remember how it's actually said, but it, that sort of thing. He, he listens. He's responsive. It's a two-way thing. It's not just a one-way thing. It's not just us talking to God and him somehow sort of saying, well, nice to hear that from so-and-so. Um, but it's also him working with us and us being in him somehow and, and maybe taking the initiative and doing something. In the end, you see, God is going to be all and in all. I don't think that means, and I think some people are frightened of it, that we're going to lose our personalities. I don't think that. I think we're going to have our personalities and, and he wants us to get involved in it now with our personalities, with who we are and to be involved in him and to become, in a sense, now as well as in the future, part of God. Um, he allows us to be him to others to share, not just God's love, but to share God himself with others. Um, I just want to finish by going to John 17. <clears throat> John 17 is, a, is the prayer, um, and it's really just the last section, because the last section, uh, all of what I've said, 
might be related to the disciples, you might sort of think, you know, well, they were special people. Well, in some respects, they were special people, but I don't think in the, the ultimate sense they were special people. I think we're just like them. But in verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's talking about you and me. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe <coughs> that you sent me. Not us in them. He doesn't say that. He says, them in us, he says. I think God wants us to be involved in him, not just in a work. I think God wants us to be involved in him somehow and to be conscious of that. I don't think Jesus, sorry, that God um, wants kind of passive spectators. He wants active participants. That's what he wants. And in some senses, I think we've got to be conscious of being in God. Go down to verse uh, 24, and he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. What's he saying? He's saying, look, Father, there's all these people here, strange mixture of people, but I want them to know the relationship that I have with you. That's what I want. I want them to know what it's like to have that relationship. Not just to be sort of... Um, on the sidelines looking at it uh, and sort of thinking, wow, that's lovely, that's special. But no, he says, I want participants. I want people who are, who are going to be involved. He, in his generosity, I think God is saying, look, I want you, you lot here and me, to actually be involved in God. somehow or other. <clears throat> when, we, when we come and break bread, um, <clears throat> um, I think that's the symbol of us getting involved in God. It's us symbolically taking Jesus into us, certainly, but I think it's about us wanting to be involved and to be in God and working. <clears throat> I'm sorry if all of that was a bit wordy. I, I, I don't <clears throat> like to be wordy because I think um, basically what we come to is simple and, and it's direct. And, and I just want to say, look, God is here. I know you're here, Lord. 
And I don't know how you lot feel about God, you being here. But I think that what he wants of you is, Lord, for us to get involved in you, to live in you as you live in us. I'm not sure altogether how you do that, but it seems to me that's what he wants. Let's sing before we break bread. I will seek your face. How awesome, Lord, is your presence. Who can stand in your light? Those who by grace and mercy are made holy in your sight. We can stand in his presence. We can come to him. We can be joined to him because of his love for us. Let's stand and sing this together. We're going to break bread just as, a, as an introduction to it and partly because it's, it will be part of our daily readings in the week. Um, we're going to read just a little passage from Luke 22. It's, it's about the Last Supper and Sam is going to come forward and lead us in the reading of chapter 22, verse 7 down to verse um, 20, isn't it? Yes, just verse 20. Stop at verse 20, okay? The Last Supper. Then the day came of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He said, This is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. Awesome God, we choose to call you our God. You have chosen us to be your people, your children. And once again today you've confronted us with that reality that you want, you desire a relationship with us. You don't just want to know of us. You want to know deep inside of us who we are, how we feel. And you want to share yourself with us as well. And Father, we thank you for this bread.
this bread given to us to remember. Lord Jesus, we do remember you. How can we possibly forget you? Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you have been given power and authority by your Father. We believe, we know, we acknowledge that you are in him and he is in you and we do not doubt that. As we share this bread amongst ourselves, we share it with you also. And that body, as you hung there, freely given to us, wasn't done because your father controlled things and made you do it. Your heart went out to all of us because of the love that you have for all of us. And you allowed these things to happen so that people will believe and not doubt that you are the Son of God sent to this world to save us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this. Thank you for continuing revealing your Father to us in all that you have done and continue to do. Thank you for being involved in our lives in so many ways. It is our desire to be involved with you. We proudly proclaim you as our Lord and Saviour. Thank you now for this bread. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One thing we ask, one thing we seek, that we may dwell in your house, O Lord, all the days of our lives, to gaze upon the beauty of you, to seek you in your temple. As we share wine together, Father, the house of the Lord is not the building we're in. The house of the Lord is the people who are in it. Help us experience each other, but more than anything else, help us experience you. Bless this wine and help it bless us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Jesus said, all of you drink of this. O oh God, beyond all praising, we worship you today and sing the love amazing that songs cannot 
repay. Let's sing together our last. Dear Father, thank you, Father. Thank you for all your rich blessings to us. Holy Father, help us to come close to you. Help us to to be in you. Help us to know you to be conscious of you in our lives and for us to come close and stay with you. Father, you are indeed a God who is beyond praising. There's there's nothing we can give you, but we give you our hearts and just say thank you, Lord. And we love you, or even we want to love you. Help us to love you. Lord Jesus, bless us. Thank you. Amen.